Sometimes the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. Thanks again for joining me here at the Back of the Range Golf Podcast. I am your host, Ben Adelberg, and this is episode 40. 40 episodes. We are still a relatively young golf podcast, but we just wanted to take a minute to thank all of the listeners and definitely the great guests that have stopped by the Back of the Range this year. From Steve Anderson, who shared stories about playing a standing money game with Arnie at Bay Hill, to Sandra Gall calling in from a lake in Germany, and to Mike Weeks telling us how he went eagle birdie birdie to win two bucks off a jack necklace in a friendly game. It's been a great ride, and we aren't slowing down anytime soon. We have more amazing guests from the game of golf each and every week here at the back of the range. Well, it is Ryder Cup week. I cannot remember a more exciting buildup to my favorite golf event. The Masters might be my favorite tournament, but the Ryder Cup, man, I don't think anything can compare to that especially since we just had this absolutely insane conclusion to the FedEx Cup. Tiger gets his win at the Tour Championship. Justin Rose hangs on to get the FedEx Cup. I I mean, the only thing that might have been better is if Tiger grabbed them both. That would have been unreal. Now, I know that everyone is going to be glued to the coverage of the Ryder Cup this weekend, but we also have another major golf event that's wrapping up as we speak. More on that after we get some podcast business out of the way. Don't forget that all of our episodes are available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. The central hub, you know it well, thebackoftherange.com. And I will keep saying it. Please leave a review in Apple Podcast. And I'll even make the deal sweeter for you. Leave a review, take a screenshot, and send it to me. Whether you do that on Instagram or Twitter, Carrier Pigeon, I don't care. Just show me that you left a review. I'll hook you up with a towel, give you a nice shout out on social media. Also, if you already have one of our logo caddy towels, please post that up on your own social media account. Let's make sure everyone knows about the Back of the Range. As I said, we're on Instagram at the Back of the Range podcast. Don't forget, we're also on Facebook and Twitter. All the links that you'll need are going to be in the show notes of this episode of the podcast. So before we get too crazy about the Ryder Cup, this past Saturday was the start of the 2018 U.S. Mid-Amateur Championship in Charlotte. Our guest last week was Mike McCoy, the 2013 champ. This week, we have last year's champion, the 2017 U.S. Mid-Amateur champion, Matt Parziali. I spoke to Matt just a couple days before his wedding and right before he played in the USAM at Pebble Beach in August. I wanted to wait until this week, the U.S. Mid-Am week, to release this special episode. We chatted about the wild ride he's been on since winning the U.S. Mid-Am. You also might recall that he made the cut at the U.S. Open at Shinnecock. Matt's just a super guy that has done a ton of press, and he was awesome to take some time with me here at the back of the range. So let's get started with this week's episode. Matt, I greatly appreciate the time. Welcome to the back of the range. Hey, thanks for having me, Ben. Anytime. So you're you're currently racing around preparing for for your your wedding. Uh, I know you've had to do, it's pretty public knowledge, you've done some shuffling with your your wedding date. As a mid-am hack, I want to know, not only how you pulled off the U.S. Mid and making the cut the U.S. Open, but how does one convince a fiancé that we need to move our wedding date because I have golf? Yeah, it wasn't uh, it wasn't easy initially, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but she she quickly saw um, 
what the, the win at the U.S. Mid-Am brought, and um, she's been she's been great with switching the date. So, um, and she gets to marry she gets to get married two weeks sooner. So, there you, um, okay, okay, that's a good. Yeah, one. so it was supposed to be August eighteenth. Um, and we moved it up to, uh, August 3rd. So three days away. Nice, man. You get, is it, what's, what's more nervous, uh, getting married or, you know, getting ready to get married or, uh, or, uh, you know, playing some high level tournament golf or you just, you just handle both pretty easily. Don't you? Well, I mean, I've been doing the golf for a long time. This is the first time for the uh, the wedding. So it might be a little different nerves than the, uh, the golf course. It's starting to get real, isn't it? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> nice. So we have a little bit of a, so I'm down in South Florida, um, uh, you know, major way from Massachusetts down to play collegiate golf at Southeastern University. Um, I have a little insider knowledge on one of the courses in Lakeland, Florida. I hope you do too. What can you tell me about Cleveland Heights? That's so funny you asked that. For some <laughs> reason last night, I couldn't sleep. And so I started thinking about Cleveland Heights for some reason. And I had to, I was trying to think of all 27 holes. And I haven't thought of that probably in five years. So it's really funny you asked that. Okay, but, um, that is kind of weird. You know, it's like really weird. But at the same time, um, that's where I started uh, college golf. The first college practice I had, first college qualifying I had. And then we played for about a year and a half. And then we moved over to Bridgewater, which was a new course, which I don't think exists anymore. We also had Eagle Brook at the end of my yeah. uh, collegiate career. But, um, you know, that's where Cleveland Heights, that's where it all started. So um, it was fun there. It was a good vibe, uh, but just kind of the public course in Lakeland. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I've i actually played in their four ball invitational um, a couple times, you know, I don't get a lot of uh, U.S. Mid-Am champs that I get to hold one over on, but, uh, you know, my four-ball partner and I are currently the four-ball champions, and I didn't see your name on that list, And but you'll be fine with the, all your other accomplishments. I don't want yeah. to make a big thing about it. You're getting married. You're not, <laughs> your mind's in other things. I don't want to, you know, make it weird like that, but, you know, you, you played your collegiate golf. You gave the mini tours a try. Uh, you were traveling around with, with Keegan uh, Bradley and John Curran and bouncing around from, from different tournament to different tournament. Um, what do you miss the most about that grind? I know the, the golf didn't exactly work out the way you wanted it to, but what do, you miss, what do you miss the most about just that time of your life? You know, I had a blast those three years that I played. Um, I've always wanted to play golf at the highest level possible. That's always been my goal is to um, – try to play in majors, try to play in PJ tour events and having the opportunity to do that playing mini tours, maybe getting through a Monday or getting through Q school. Um, that was a thrill and that was fun. Um, but fortunate enough for, for us mid-ams, we do have that opportunity to, to win the U S mid-am to compete at the USAM and play at a high level. So I haven't lost that, but again, uh, the opportunity to play at the highest level, that's the only thing I really miss the most. Sure. Um, now, what were some of the tips and tricks that you learned along the way traveling, doing the mini tours? We have a lot of college players that listen to the podcast, a lot of guys that are actually uh, still chasing uh, the professional dream. What is one tip and trick that you use to cut costs when you're out there grinding and, and traveling around? Just get as many guys in that room as you possibly can. <laughs> so, <laughs> Was there ever a guy that you're like, no, 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 we're full. Yeah, we don't have your room for you. Just, uh, yeah, we're, we're good. We're good. Yeah, we did that to a few guys, but that they weren't they weren't liked very well. Oh, so, but okay. we had a, we had a good crew, four or five, even eight guys at times, and we had a blast. It was it was fun traveling around with those guys, and um, people would run out of money and they'd leave, and um, 
you know, it turned into a couple guys at the end and, uh, that's, that's the life out there. I mean, you just try to go as long as you can have fun with it. You meet so many great people, so many friends that I have now that are having success on the PJ tour and winning tournaments and competing and seeing the name. So it's been fun to watch. And, um, you know, but that's, that's golf. That's, that's golf at the highest level. So, um, it's tough. It's not, it's cutthroat. You're going to make it or you're not. And it's such a fine line. I mean, did you see, you know, guys like Keegan Bradley, like, oh, yeah, that guy's definitely going to make it. I mean, it's really a fine line, isn't it? You know, I, I, I've i known Keegan since we've been in high school, and he's just been always so good. John Carn was the best junior golfer I could ever imagine. Um, I remember my dad telling me when I first started playing these tournaments, just try to lose to John by less than 10. Like, oh, that was okay. my goal. That's, that's how good John was. So, um, you know, seeing them growing up, um, and becoming friends with them. They've had so much success. They're so good, but it is a fine line. I mean, um, you never know who's going to make it and who's not, sure. but those guys put the work in. They put the effort in. Um, I don't think they've ever got discouraged. They've always looked forward no matter how good or how bad it is, and that's why they've had success. Sure. So you um, you know, you, you got your status back, start playing in some uh, you know local amateur stuff, playing nationals. I know that you um, – made it into a couple of mid-ams before you won last year 2017 but you how do you make that decision or where do you focus on to get yourself elevated just a little bit better so you can compete on the national we have like i said people listening that are maybe a a five or a six handicap that want to shave a couple strokes so they can you know maybe make the cut at their state am or or try and qualify for u.s mid-am what are things that you really try to focus on to get you up that you know couple notches up to compete yeah you know so um i got my amateur status back and i took that year year and a half off and i shouldn't say took it off i would play at the club with friends um and play terribly i mean it was the worst year i've had in golf but i wasn't putting the time in i was just just playing just to just to have something to do um and then when i got the letter that i was a reinstated amateur you get the spark to um get the tournament uh, competitive competitiveness going again and uh it all comes back i mean um I, the first two tournaments weren't that great but three four five in you get back you get in contention and you get the chance to win down the stretch and that's what that's what i live for is are those feelings of just having a chance and hopefully you come out on top um but to get to the national level that was a little different where i was having success locally winning uh but i was competing in the U.S. Mid-Am, but not winning. Uh, I was a medalist one year, but lose first round. So last winter, uh, I talked to my coach, Sean Hester, and I said, you know, this year, let's, I want to see a little more often, um, stay on top of things. And that's what I did. You know, I I went to him every couple weeks rather than every month or so. Um, Not that we did anything different, but um, when you have his eyes on you and you don't get into bad habits, you play more consistent golf. Um, And I'm not saying that that's the answer. That's just what worked for me last year. Um, but I mean, it's just, it's effort and it's, it's the process. It's not the result. Um, I've never been worried about the result for some reason. I've just always enjoyed the process of trying to get better. Even when I've been in the lowest points in golf, I've never been discouraged, frustrated. Yes, but not discouraged. So, you know, you, you run through the U S mid, which is gosh, it's just so much golf. You're, you, you know, practice rounds and at least, uh, you know, two rounds of stroke play. And if you don't have to go to a, 
playoff, you're just you're playing 36 a day. How important, or what are the what are the things you do fitness wise? I don't you know want to necessarily get your entire you know workout routine, but but what are the things you try and do to physically stay in shape? To, to be able to compete on these at these tournaments where you know walking or elevation or carrying a bag is involved yeah it's a long week um the the our state our state am our state uh, Massachusetts state am is the same way it's a long week um, I've had some long runs there and you're you're tired you're beat up after after the uh after the week's over um you know but I've never really felt tired during any of those rounds adrenaline takes over and you're in, into the moment, you're into your process. Um, but after, after it's, you're, um, you're done, <laughs> your body's, your body's dead. Yeah. But for, for workout stuff, you know, I don't even work out in the summer. I do uh, a lot of cardio in the winter. Um, in the summer I play so much golf walking. Um, that's kind of, that's all I do, but I've never, uh, never got into lifting weights or anything like that. It's just, you know, it's more mentally tough than it is physically. Okay. And, um, you show up at a match play, uh, event, after you win your first couple matches, you show up, it's a fresh day. What you did the last three days does not matter. And that was what I was most proud of at the U.S. Mid-Am is that I showed up every day, fresh slate, ready to just compete. And uh, I had a lot of close matches. I could have went home first, second, third, fourth round very easily. And um, I was able to pull those out. And then I was able to play much better in the semis and in the finals. Yeah, I, I, I looked at the uh, at the match tree and, and- you know, you, you got in in ninth place, but then, you know, one up in 64, one up in 32, two up in 16. And then that, you know, crazy comeback in the quarters where you're five down after uh, after 10. But, yeah, the semis, finals, you, you coast right through. And this obviously gets you, uh, you know, gets you into the Masters. I'm not going to ask the typical, you know, what was it like to get the letter or, you know, what was it like going down Magnolia Lane? But I do want to ask you a couple of questions. So you're you're coming in as, you know, you're a plus three handicap. You're you're playing at the Masters. I know you have expectations, and I know you've played practice rounds in the past leading up to the Masters. But but did you feel out of your element? Um, you know, honestly, no. Um, I've never thought that golf. I never really thought handicap doesn't matter. Um, professional, amateur, what you do for a living doesn't matter. It's, you're out there. You're just, everyone's just playing golf, and I've thought that anyone that they did anything differently than me. Um, yeah, they might play better, um, but True. I didn't. I don't think it was a physical thing. Um, my problem at Augusta was the knowledge. I just didn't. Uh, I thought I had a good game plan, but it wasn't. Uh, I actually hit it fine. I actually putted, chipped it fine, but I hit it in some really bad spots that I thought weren't bad shots. And the score adds up pretty quickly when you do that oh, yeah. three or four holes in a row. Um, but then at Shinnecock, it was just hard right in your face, and that's the kind of. I can prepare for that. And that's what I thought Augusta was going to be, but it was completely different um, Thursday morning than it was Wednesday night. They turn the sub air on, it's firm, it's fast. And if you haven't seen that, it's a lot different. For the guys that go every year, they kind of know what to expect. Right. Um, and that I lost a lot of shots that first nine were actually played pretty well. And then um, maybe try to force some things um, that you don't really want to force, but that's kind of just the way golf goes. You try to force it and then you just make more mistakes out there. Um, but then at Shinnecock, you know, I, it's just hard in your face and I play conservative. I pick my spots and, um, I had some success. Awesome. What was the most random ticket request you got to go to Augusta? Who's the guy or who, who who's the most random one that you got out of nowhere? Like, man, I've been talking to this guy in 20 years. 
it wasn't even tickets or friends. It was uh, firefighters from all over the country asking if they could caddy for me. And <laughs> so <laughs> that yeah. was pretty funny. I saved some of those emails because, you know, it was great to hear from guys. Sure. But, I mean, these guys are like, yeah, I'm from California. I've never uh, never been to Augusta. Just wonder if I can come caddy for you. I'm like, yeah, man. I mean, what do you, <laughs> yeah. what do you say to that, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, you got to say no, but it is pretty <laughs> yeah. fun. Yeah. I'm like, just tell them, like, yeah, they don't allow fire trucks on Magnolia. Yeah. Right? It's not wide enough. Um, <laughs> right. That's awesome. When you um, – I know you did the amateur dinner. Obviously, that dinner doesn't get as much – press and play is obviously the champion center, but you're there with, you know, Doug Gim and Harry Ellis, Redmond, Neiman. Uh, this was probably one of the few times that you were the oldest guy at the, at the dinner table. Uh, what did you like the most out of that dinner and, and who did you kind of get to know the most? Yeah, that was a great night. Um, and I'm, that's starting to become more of a thing that I'm becoming the older the one. Guy. Yeah. And, Cause you're playing and, all these and, amateur and, tournaments and these, these yeah. kids are looking at you like, there he is, get him. And that happened overnight. I still feel like I was in college till about a couple of years ago. Right. But, um, you know, that was a great night. There's a bunch of members in there, USGA staff, RNA guys. Um, and it was awesome. Augusta members. Uh, I sat with Condoleezza Rice. She was great to talk to. Um, Ed Hurdle. It was just, uh, Ed Hurley. Heath. Um, so we had, we had a great time. A uh, good friend of mine, Tim Neer, was there, and he just took care of me um, the whole week. He's just the best guy I know. Um, took care of me weeks prior, months prior, getting me, trying to get me ready. And um, it was really, it was really special to spend that night with him. Um, and then, yeah, we had the other five amateurs, and we had a great time. Most of us went up to the crow's nest after, and spent the night. Um, I spent one night there, and then went to the house we were staying at. So, nice. yeah, really, a lot of a lot of memories that I'll never forget, and a lot of great experiences. Now, you mentioned Santa Crow's Nest. Now, this is this is kind of a daring question, but I just have to ask it. So, you play the mini tours, you stay in the Roach Motels, and anyone that goes on golf trips and they stay in a hotel, you know, you maybe you you, you steal a towel or you steal the the shampoo bottles or whatever. Now, I know you wouldn't do this because this would be the ultimate just bad karma for life in golf, but anything in the crow's nest that you looked at that you're like, man, I wonder if I could sneak that into the suitcase and they'd miss it. Or anything <laughs> there that you wouldn't like, man, that looked great at my house. So I'm like, you know, notepad or, or anything that you could snake out of the crow's nest. Uh, no, there wasn't really much. Um, okay. yeah, I mean, they had this the normal stuff, but, uh, I didn't even think of that. It was just so cool to be there and such a cool experience that, um, you know, maybe if I went back, I'd, my mind might wander there, but not that not that time. Uh, no, of course. No, no, I, I'm not. Now, let's just get on record. I'm not suggesting thievery at Augusta National, but yeah, I'm just yeah. thinking like pencils or something like you got to gotta take some momentum and you can't take a picture off the wall. That'd be a little little obvious. But all right. I so wish I did take some now that I think about see, it. See, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It just you know, if you hang out with degenerates like me, I could help you out with stuff like that. Next yeah. time you go to Augusta. Um, yeah. So um, you played your practice round with Tiger. Uh, just just the insanity around there. Speaking of like things you wish you did, I know you guys talked and talked about, you know, whether it's, you know, and of course, Freddie's there just to make that, that afternoon even, even more crazy with the crowds. But is there one thing that you wish you would have asked Tiger or Freddie that you just didn't because of maybe the moment was a little too big or there's too many people around when you got out of Augusta, you're driving home or flying home or, or you're, you're removed. Was there one thing you're like, man, I wish you should have asked him that. You know, he was so great to play with and great to talk to. He was telling jokes from the from the first tee on, uh, laughing. Obviously, Freddie and Tiger have a great relationship, so yeah. it was cool to see that. Um, you know, we had a great conversation. He was asking about firefighting. Um, I don't think there was. You know, I, I mean, it was just a special time to 
be out there with him. I mean, he was trying to prepare. We were all trying to prepare. It was the last time we were going to play the course before the tournament started. But in between shots, I mean, we were laughing a lot, and uh, he was just – he was kind. He was awesome to be with. So, um, no, I didn't have thought of anything that I wanted to ask him that I, that I might have wanted to. Okay. Um, you know, one of the, the great things that you were able to do, um, you know, since your, your master's appearance, since the U.S. US Open appearance, um, the Concession Cup. Maybe listeners don't know a lot about the Concession Cup, but it's basically a Ryder Cup format event, mid-am seniors, super seniors from the U.S. against uh, GB&I. It was held just down here in Bradenton, Florida. Um, what was that experience like for you to be invited into that circle of these super elite amateurs? Yeah, that was a special week. Um, just to be able to compete for your country with a lot of my good friends was what made it even more special. Uh, Scott, Stu, Mike McDermott, Nathan, Todd White. Uh, those are all the mid-ams we had. And um, being able to meet those guys the last four or five years and also a bunch of the seniors too that um, I've started getting to know. Just great, great guys. And to meet the guys from GB&I, um, you know, they don't they don't make it over here as much. So we didn't know many of them other than Bobby Leopold, who's from uh, my area up here. He's from, and He was born over there. So, um, you know, it was a great week to compete. The score was definitely not as close as the matches were. No. Um, those guys, they come over from... Um, from from GB and I, and they've never seen uh, a course like concessions. This is very hard, and um, they were a little behind the eight ball. So I think in the future, if we could get over there, and uh, they can probably show us a little bit of what they do on their courses. It's a, it's just a great format. Um, the Amateur Golf Alliance is fully behind it, and that's just one of the best uh, best programs in golf. I would say I don't think anything happens last year without the support of the Amateur Golf Alliance. Sure. So, you know, obviously getting to the Masters, getting to the U.S. Open, that's, you know, you're going to try and get there every single year, obviously, with with through the U.S. Mid-Am. But you're, this Concession Cup, you're seeing these seniors that that's probably closer to the career that you're going to probably end up having unless you're thinking about turning pro again. But guys like, you know, Gene Elliott and McCoy, you know, Gene Elliott was on the on our podcast a few weeks ago. What was it like to kind of see some of those guys and think to yourself, man, if I really play well, I could have a career like these guys have had. And, and you know, was it good to build those relationships with them? Yeah. Like I said, I've, I've started to meet those guys the last four or five years, and we have so much fun when we're together. Um, we text each other when we're not even at events. And to see those guys compete at the Senior Open last week was awesome. Yep. Rooting for them, huge. And, uh, and I think most of them are staying for the uh, the senior, senior uh, the British am, senior yeah. am this week. And I have a few friends from up here. But yeah, that's what uh, that's what amateur golf is about. You meet friends, and um, I'm sorry, you meet fellow competitors, and they become your best friends. And um, to see those guys have such a great relationship, those six guys or those eight guys, because Paul and um, and Buddy were also there playing too uh, as the super seniors and to think that the six of us could have that relationship in 20 years. That's, that's what this game's all about. And that's why we do this. Yeah. You, uh, so one of the perks, obviously of the U S mid-am, uh, obviously the, the attention you're getting nationally, but, um, you got to throw out the first pitch at Fenway. Um, how, when you got that call that that was going to be an op- uh, opportunity for you, was that just, I mean, I'm assuming you're a Red Sox fan. Yeah, I am. Yeah. So it was, uh, that was a, Pretty cool experience. Okay. Did you, I haven't seen the video exactly of, of your pitch, but did you throw from the top of the mound and did you one hop it or how was your pitch? 
So yeah, I definitely threw from the top of the mound. <laughs> and I was planning on throwing it as hard as I could. And for some reason I got the ball in my hand. And I just I didn't throw it hard, but I threw it in there. Sure. And thank God Blake Swinehart was catching for me because he made me look like a hero. He popped up. It would have hit the backstop without him. Uh, he popped up, made it look natural. It was a terrible first pitch, but uh, he took care of me, and I and I thanked him for that after. So. Nice, nice. So, um, your your member at your club uh, in Massachusetts, Thorny Lee, uh, which is gosh, pretty cool name actually for a club. Uh, you have this great talent up there, a lot of great players, and you have nowhere to hide. You're the defending state amateur champion. You're the U.S. mid amateur champion. When's the last time one of the guys around the club uh, just, you know, got you in a match and maybe got too many strokes from you? What's your casual game like over there? Yeah, I probably lose a lot more matches uh, than I win at Thornley. Nice. It's, uh, and I wouldn't have any other way. It's, uh, it's a special place. Um, the competitiveness there is second to none. We have the best players in the state. Uh, we've had that for a long time. Guys that compete, um, state ams, senior stuff uh national stuff uh guys have played in u.s opens before um it's just been so cool to be a part of um to learn from the people before and i want to be able to teach the, the next generation the same stuff and keep that tradition going nice is uh what is are you always playing super serious golf or you know do you do you have a couple cocktails on the course what's what's a casual game look like yeah you know it depends on uh what's been going on if i'm getting ready for an event usually sure. i don't um Usually I don't have that kind of round, but at the end of a three-week stretch to go out and play with some buddies and have a good time, um, you know, that's fun too. So it's it's uh, that's that's the best part about throwing league is that you can find whatever you want and um, big money games, small money games. Uh, you know, it's just all – I always have fun. I've never had a bad day there in my life, so. Nice. Uh, 2019 Walker Cup is going to be at Hoylake, Royal Liverpool. Um, I would imagine that is on your radar as a mid-am, how do you go about putting together a, a schedule or a resume to assist you or give you the best opportunity to get picked for that? So um, they have the new uh, guidelines that came out about a month ago, I want to say, um, and they're going to select one mid-am. So fortunate enough for me, uh, I'll have a chance to – hopefully I'm in that situation. Um, schedule-wise, I'm going to play in everything possible uh, this year and next year to give myself the best opportunity to make that. And, you know, if they select me, great. If not, it's going to be a fun couple of years playing and everything and uh, competing all over the country and international stuff, too. So, um, you know, it's it's a win-win for me. I'm going to give it my best um, and just have, a, have fun with it like I always have. So I know we just spoke about the Concession Cup, just such a huge collection of talent with nationally ranked mid-ams and seniors. I got to think with all those people there, you have to have a good story about one of the guys you played with on the U.S. team. So um, the funniest thing that happened, so uh, Harv and I, Scott Harvey, we were we were teammates in the first two days. Yep. And in the football, I think it was the first day. Yeah, it had to have been the first day. Um, I think we were losing or uh, even – we were down the stretch, 14, 15th hole. And I had probably a 40-footer. Uh, the the other team had a 30 foot on the same line and Scott had it in there 20 feet, maybe even a little closer. And I, I said to Scott, I said, um, Hey, do you want to go? So I don't show him the line. He goes, he goes, no, no, go ahead. I'll go distract him. So, uh, he went over, had a conversation. So whoever, 
whoever had that putt didn't even see my putt. So uh, he's a veteran with those moves, and that was pretty. That was a pretty funny moment we had, and that was that was pretty cool. Nice, nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll get chat with this one. Uh, we just have, just have two small questions we ask to uh, to everyone that comes on the sh- on the uh, on the podcast. If you could give a major championship to anyone in history, uh, who would it be? Uh, they could have no majors. They could have eighteen. They could be alive or dead. If you could gift someone else a major, who would it be? Uh, Tiger. Okay. <laughs> nice. Get him going again. Well, then that just kind of kills my next question, which is uh, <laughs> the the 1986 Masters champ uh, Masters win by Jack Nicholas at the age of 46. Compare that to the uh, you know fifth green jacket of Tiger Woods, which would be the more substantial victory. And you can go ahead and answer, but I think I already know what it is. Yeah, it's Tiger. You know, I play golf because of Tiger Woods. Competitive golf, right. I should say. Um, just to watch him my whole life, always try to get better. It's been just a pleasure to watch him. Forget about me, just to be able to experience that. It's like me with Tom Brady, too. Just watching those guys compete at the highest level at all times has been special. And, I mean, Tiger's going to win again. We saw it last yeah. week. Um, he's going to win. He's got it. He's got it all. And. All it takes is one, and um, I'm sure it'll be rocking and rolling. Now, you've played – now, if I ask someone else, like, hey, who would you like to play golf with the most? Who would be your dream foursome? And, you know, a lot of people would maybe say Arnie or Jack, but a lot of people would say Tiger. But now you've already played golf with Tiger Woods. So who's next on your bucket list of who you want to play golf with? Uh, yeah, Tom Brady. Uh, okay. Watching him my whole life up here in New England. Um, we were supposed to play a match during the U.S. Open week, and unfortunately we, um, we weren't able to get it done. I had a – previous commitment but i think uh that's we have so a mutual awesome. friend i think we might be able to uh to make it happen that's so awesome be able to tell tom brady yeah listen i can't make it i'm busy i got this thing so um well uh matt i really appreciate the time i know you're you're got thirty thousand things in your mind right now good luck with the <laughs> wedding good luck with the uh, u.s amateur at pebble and all the best as you defend your u.s mid amateur championship later this year absolutely thanks man i appreciate it And there you have it, another great episode here at the Back of the Range Golf Podcast. Thanks to Matt Parziali, the 2017 U.S. Mid Amateur Champion, for joining us this week. Enjoy the Ryder Cup. We will see you again next week here at the Back of the Range.